Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. Uh, in a little bit, we're going to be talking about the two trees in the Garden of Eden. So I dressed like <laughs> one of them. Just so you know, I, like, I just where realized. Where are you going with that right now? <laughs> I just realized when I looked at the screen. But happy Aloha Friday. Um, we are doing it's Alma. Not even Friday. It might I be hope when you're someone watching watches this. Yeah. Or if you're listening, just imagine me looking like a tree. All right. We're doing Alma 39 through 42, which is the second part of what we started last week. Remember when Mormon takes a break from these sweeping stories of battles and war and cities and nations, and he just zooms in on Alma taking one-on-one time with each of his sons, which really is, mm-hmm. I think Mormon's just trying to say, like, this is at the heart and soul of all these big ba- yeah. battles and nations. It's one, the greatest battles are fought in the confines of the human soul. And so they're just these one-on-one moments that Alma has with his boys. Should we let him look um, at the board Yeah, look at start? the board. Last time we talked about the two boys, Helaman, and we also talked about Shiblon that he talked to. And now he's going to be talking to um, his son, whose name is um, Corianton. And uh, and I, I, I remember starting an institute class once and saying, just you guys, let me tell you the story of this dad who gets called as a mission president and um, his son gets a mission call, opens it up, and he's actually assigned to his dad's mission. It's crazy. And then while his son is serving that mission, he leaves the mission and goes and kind of hooks up with a harlot. And his dad finds out and he comes back. And what do you think that conversation was like? Well, Turn to Alma 39 <laughs> because that is the conversation. <laughs> and oh. Corianta kind of spends some time, you know, um, in You sin. love when we start out too when the dad's like, A horrible beginning. I have a this little is... bit more to say to you than I did to your other brothers. I love that. Just moment. in case you were timing my time with Shiblon and it only took 12 minutes, I just want you to know, don't have that expectation. Oh. I actually hate how Alma starts this conversation with his son because he just says this. Remember when he's just like, you did not give so much heed as your brother did. <laughs> now, why can't you be a little bit more like him? I know. I You're so sad about way. that part. I know. <laughs> I'm like, I don't. This is anti-parenting part. advice. 39 verse mm-hmm. 2. Um, but I, it is... Um, when he talks about... He talks a little bit about what may have happened with Corianton following after this um, This girl. is. I mean, what's her name? Isabel. Yeah. The harlot Isabel, who he says the thing about her he's most concerned about, number one, is she stole away the hearts of many people, meaning uh, stole them away from God is the problem. And then where's that one verse where he says, really, the hard thing about what happened was... Um, You should have tended to the ministry wherewith thou was entrusted. Like, this was your mistake. You had... A ministry you had something to devote your heart to and instead of saying devoted to that thing you accidentally went a different way and 
And it was a way that was with someone who was actually against the ministry. Yeah. Against the thing that you had been called to. Yeah, because interesting that she's a harlot. And whether this was an actual, like, whether it actually was a sexual sin or what most of the Old Testament writers talk about with idolatry and they connect idolatry and harlots together, like turning to another God, turning away from God. And that seems to be the bigger concern. Not that sexual sin isn't a concern, but <laughs> it seems to be that it's like the bigger issue here is like verse 11, because of what happened, you it suffered the devil to lead away many people and they wouldn't believe in my words anymore because of what, because of what happened. That's like a, that seems to be a bigger problem than you know, whatever else was happening. And you love that this becomes such a a good chapter on repentance. And I love when we talk about what is repentance. And remember when we've taught it before with the sign language of just, it's a turning again. And you watch that process here um, because there, you see the turning away and we're going to watch the, the turning back again. And I love that we get to see it come full circle in in these sections. Yeah. And if you want to take percentage of verses, something I love about Alma's approach, even though I hate his parenting approach in verse two, (laughs) what I love about his approach is maybe 1% of the verses is kind of, is talking about the problem and 99% are talking about the solution, Mm. the redemption. So 39 through 42 is the whole conversation. And just this beginning of 39, he kind of brings it up. He gives some tips on kind of like, oh, here's some tips on how you could have avoided this. But then the rest of it is on his rescue. Yeah. And that to me is so beautiful. Um, um, so, it'd be fun to go through and just talk about yeah, at yeah. the beginning um, what it would look like to avoid sin, not just if you're Corianton, but if you're any of us, what are some of Alma's advice for avoiding sin? We just wrote down a few, but as you go through these first verses in this first chapter, that's what you want to be watching for is what is his counsel for how to avoid the sin in the first place? Yeah. Um, one we didn't, I didn't put up on this list when I was drawing it is actually in verse seven. I thought it was interesting that he said, uh, I wouldn't dwell upon your crimes unless it were for your good. So the only reason he's even bringing it up and bringing up the consequences is not to make him feel stupid or shame, but because he's like, I think it will actually end up for your good if you if you just... And it kind of hints at... Um, remember with Joseph of Egypt, there's that one phrase that talks about God can turn it for your good. And I love that the the same can be true here, that Alma is almost saying to him, listen, you're not past saving. You're not past rescuing. God can actually turn this for good. And let's talk about how that might happen for you, which I love that kind of a conversation as you're entering in with someone who has made a mistake to say, I, I think some good could actually come of this. And Alma's speaking as someone who has had bad things in his life be turned for right. good. So you love that he's like, I'm speaking from a place of experience right, right now. Right. Um, in his own experience, he actually uses that word, I just noticed, to, to hair up your soul. Mm. It's the same word that he uses to describe what drove him to Jesus was that sort of feeling. And he's like, the only reason guilt would be good for you is if it drives you to redemption. 
um, to Jesus. And and I think that might, mm-hmm. maybe he's kind of And that's one invitation that. we want to give you right at the very beginning of these chapters. You're going to see a lot of words um, in here that are doctrinal words that have a lot of doctrine behind them. And one thing I love to remember is that every doctrine should point you to Jesus. So everywhere through here, the number one thing you should be looking for is, okay, where is Jesus in that verse and in that principle and in that doctrine? Where do we see Jesus through all of this teaching? Because it makes it so much personal to us when we're talking about a relationship rather than a list of... Yeah, doctrines. Yeah. I was just, as you were saying that, I was thinking to myself, for example, he's going to give this whole chapter that we're not going to spend very much time on, on the resurrection. And it could be super easy to get caught up in like, what are the details of the resurrection instead of like the marvel of the resurrection Mm -hmm. brought about by Jesus. Like, let's like, let's not get so caught up in when do they get resurrected or them or where do they go and stuff like that rather than like, wait a second. Isn't this amazing that someone came and conquered death that gave us the chance to rise again, no matter when it is? So good advice. Um, Okay, so quickly, let's just go through um, how do you avoid sin? Then we'll just stop for a minute and 40 and talk about um, a couple things that we love there. And then we'll jump in to the end. Um, So some of the things he talked about was don't hide your crimes. Um, He talked about... um, Which we've talked about before is a very... Adam and Eve thing, a problem of mortality from yes. the beginning. He's like, come out into the light with them. You don't have to hide them, right? Yeah. You don't just, yeah, they won't be solved if you're hiding yeah. them. Yeah, we just lay it on the table and figure it out. Um, go no more after the lust of your eyes. Oh, we love when he tells them in 10, listen, he and he doesn't, it's, this is not little advice. He says, I command you to take <laughs> it upon you to counsel with your brothers. Um, and I love that one that just like, sometimes it's okay to be like, go talk to your brothers. They live in the same world. You do. They're in the same, um, circumstances. Go figure out how they're doing it. And then almost like a side advice to the brothers, they, um, you stand in need of being nourished by your brothers. That if someone were to come to you for counsel or advice, make sure that that is nourishing advice Mm -hmm. instead of making someone feel stupid advice. Um, Okay, uh, refrain from your iniquities. Um, turn to the Lord with all your might, mind, and strength. Oh, I love that one. I love this one too. Acknowledge your faults and the wrong what you have, that you have done. Just It's okay to be like, oh, I think I made a mistake here. Oh, it makes it so much easier if someone is just like, that, that's on me. You know, I think I actually did make a mistake. Yeah. Here. I want to say too about that one, that 13 one, turn to the Lord with all your might, mind, and strength. When we talk about like repentance is a turn, I love the thought of it is not a turn away from sin as much as it is a turning Mm. toward the Lord, right? Repentance doesn't mean I stop that. Repentance means I turn to God with all of my heart, mind, and strength. That's really good. Um, So, and then you just notice then starting in 15, he is, I mean, he's already there, but he's just full-fledged ahead. Like, let's talk about the coming of Christ, who will surely come to take away the sins of the world. Like, that is the heart and soul of this conversation. And you love that that's the direction that he's going to go. And before we jump into that, um, one of the things that I love is watching and learning from um, these men and kind of what did their personal behaviors look like? What was the way they learned and studied and did things? 
And I love in chapter 40, we get a little bit of insight into Alma in verse 3. Um, and he says this at the very last sentence, But I show unto you one thing, which I have inquired diligently of God that I might know. And I love the thought of that, that he's like, let me just tell you about one of the things I'm trying to ask God to teach me about. It made me want to think to myself, okay, what other things were on his list? Don't you want to know? Like, this is just one of the things I'm trying to work out with God. Um, and it makes me think every time I read it, okay, what's on my list? Like, what are the things I um, have inquired diligently of God to know more about? And as you look back over the last course of your life, you know, the last few months or years, what are the things that you're like, I want to know more about grace. I want to know more about mercy. I Now I want to know more about what is the thing that you are diligently inquiring to the Lord about? Yeah, and just that whole that just that whole experience is valuable, even if you never come to a conclusion. I mean, we just spent before we started this a half hour just talking about an upcoming chapter, just because it was interesting to us, yeah. you know. And I love Alma. Like you'll notice as you read through forty, so much of his personality, where he's like, "I think it might be this, but I'm not really sure." Mm-hmm. And he's like, my opinion on this one, he actually says that one time, my opinion is actually this, but I don't really know. God does, but I think it might be. And actually, in one of the verses, he's like wrong about one of his conclusions on resurrection, you know, because he actually says like, the wicked and righteous will get resurrected together at the same time, you know, and it's like, I just like that he's exploring He's working it, it like, out. It's, it's cool. love a chapter where he's like, and he doesn't wait until he knows everything. He's like... This is, let me just tell you a little bit about what I've been learning. And and it might be this, I don't know, and it might be this, but you just love this process of this man who we admire so much, showing us how he is working out, obtaining knowledge from the Lord on a, on a really big subject. Yeah, and what's even neater, I think, is 40 verse 1 where he says, his son, he says, I perceive that your mind's a little bit worried about the resurrection of the dead. So let's talk about it. I've actually been studying it. I want like I like that he just yes. dives into this topic. Yeah. I'm so curious why Corey Anton that is on his mind. Yeah. Did he lose a friend recently? Like, did their mom just die? Like, why is he like? Why is he so? Yeah, concerned why is it about when the, the resurrection is yeah. going to happen. Well, and you know? it's interesting that he's concerned about it, and Alma Alma's obviously been is too thinking because about he's it. been thinking about it. So some maybe something was happening that made them think. But I just love that we get that little window of a chapter of he's like, this is, let me show you my study process and what I'm working on, trying to figure out right now that gives me like motivation to be like, okay, what what am I going to diligently study with the Lord right now? What do I want to figure out? Um, then we're going to get into chapter 21, which is this, Whoa. I mean, chapter 41. <laughs> I don't know you why I wanted really 21. really wanted to go to 21. Chapter 41, which is um, a restoration chapter. I love this chapter so much um, as we go through and it talks about what does restoration even look like and why would we need a restoration? And um, this year is a fun year to study this Alma 41 just because we've talked so much about restoration um, within General Conference and then um, coming forth from that and because for some reason 2020 is such a year when we need restoration right now for so many things. So I loved reading through here as what it looks like when Alma talks about 
restoration and that process. And I love when he says this, um, when he's going to talk about what restoration is, is to take a thing in verse 12 of a natural state and place it in an unnatural state or to place it in a state that's opposite to its nature. That's not the case. But the meaning of the word restoration is to bring back again. And I love that thought of that, of that bringing back again. If anyone's restored a car or if you've restored a piece of furniture, that bringing back again. And I love as you think about that process of restoration, a lot of times we talk about the Savior as a refiner and there might be a restorative process in that. I don't know because I've never done refining before, but um, I have done restoration with sandpaper. Have you? ever done that before where you try and restore a piece of furniture and you go through that sanding process and at one time when I was doing that I thought to myself you know what the atonement is the medium that allows the restoration Um, it doesn't happen at the end of the project it happens along the way and um, through the atonement of Jesus Christ we experience grace we experience mercy we experience all of that Um, sanding down process that enables us and strengthens us to eventually become everything that is in mercy and justice and doing good and grace. And um, I just love the thought that the restoration isn't instant. Have you ever noticed that before? That it's, you don't just say, I'm going to restore this car and in an hour it's done, or I'm going to restore that, um, that table and it's done. The restoration takes place the whole way um, from that moment when you say you're going to start until it really is a finished um, whatever it is. And we're the same. We have to go through that restorative process until we get there. And you might read in in 13 when he says, um, it brings evil for evil, um, carnal for carnal, devilish for devilish, good for good, righteous for righteous, merciful for merciful. Meaning like this... Uh, resurrection restoration it's like whatever you were here that's what you will be Mm. you know restored to and you might be thinking about yourself like I actually don't want to be restored (laughs) to what I am (laughs) you know because (laughs) um, like you know so if you feel that when you read 13 it's going to come up in 42 but before we get there go back in 41 to um, starting in verse 5 yeah where he says The one is raised to happiness according to his desires for happiness or good according to their desires for good and the same of evil. But so it is on the other hand, if a person repents of their sins and desired righteousness, they will be rewarded unto righteousness. So Mm. it's so important to put those together. Um, Jesus is going to be the one who's going to make that possible that someone like me could desire good could desire Mm. mercy, could desire grace, and then be restored unto those things. Yeah, that's so Just simply because that's what I wanted. Um, Okay, then we're going to get into 42. And Coranton's going to ask a question. Yeah, the question he wants to know that either Asher is on his mind in verse 1 is, he doesn't think it's fair that a sinner should be consigned to a state of misery. Um, he's concerned about the justice of God, that there would be punishment for sinners. And this is not uncommon, even Mm -hmm. today, for someone to say like, well, if God's so good, why do we talk about him punishing sinners? And why does a sinner um, have to to go forever to hell? The doctrine of hell, like how is that combined together with a God who is 
merciful and good. And I think it would be awesome to start right here in what Alma teaches about um, does God punish or does the law punish? Um, where is that verse? Oh, 22. That yeah, in 22. 22. Let, let's just jump there right now before yeah. we even get into the discussion. Because I think what's so interesting here is this. Two things. Number one, one of the things he's going to teach him in 42.22 is there's a law given and a punishment affixed and a repentance granted. So repentance is this like gift that's been given as what, part of it. And let's what Alma's definition of repentance is. Can we do that right now? Let's save it for when we get to that middle okay. spot because I think it'll be more powerful there. But no, I think right here maybe like it's a gift. Mm -hmm. So like there is law and a punishment is affixed to it. P.S. There is a gift that's going to be given. Which repentance mercy claimeth. Otherwise justice claimeth the creature and executeth the law. And here's a really important Line. point. And the law inflicteth the punishment. Not God. So even though we use the phrase the wrath of God, the justice of God, and, and those kind of things, there those are more poetic than it is the it is the law that is inflicting punishment. It's natural punishment. It is not God inflicting, you know, a punishment. I think that's that's super important. Um because he has a problem with God. Why would God punish these people? And what Alma's gonna teach him is God's not. God will turn people over to punishment if they choose that. If they don't want to be claimed by him, he will allow that. I mean, he will let them walk He'll into that. He'll let justice that. run yeah, its run, course. Right? Mm -hmm. But, but he has gifted, he has granted a way out of it, which is going to be really important. I love too that um, because lots of times we enter into conversations with our kids that we're like, I don't know. Uh, like, what should I, what should we talk about? How should I enter in? And I love that what Alma thinks is I'm, I'm going to go find somewhere in scripture that I can help to teach this principle. And the story he's going to go back to is clear back in Genesis. That's, that is a scripture where he's going to start and he's going to um, use that to help in this conversation with his son, which makes me think, how often do we do that? Do we take the time to be like, which scripture is going to help in this situation? And um, he doesn't give a lot of detail about that story. He just hits the points and then moves on to the conversation, which I also think is really important that as we look in scripture and we try and figure out how can we teach and help our kids, um, it's important to realize we don't need to read all of the book of Genesis to them. We can say, okay, I, I can see through the spirit that these are the important things. And now let me help you. Um, do you remember this? Do you remember this? Okay, let's start from here to have this discussion. Yeah, because it doesn't seem like his point is to figure out what do all the trees and the sword and everything symbolize I'm more interested in teaching you like the part you the point need. of the story, yeah. right? It's not to figure out all of this. I'm going to use all these to get to here is the most powerful truth that I want you to walk away with. And it's almost as if he's looking at him and saying, um, I, I maybe think there is only one thing that you need to understand better, but let me paint this picture for you so we can get to the one thing thing and that's what you're going to watch happen so he's going to start out in um 
he's going to explain this thing, he says. And he's and he starts out, and he's like, do you remember when God sent our first parents from the Garden of Eden to till the ground? Like, do you remember that part of the story? That's where we're going to start. And he's going to talk about these two trees. And um, the one tree we're going to read in 42.12. Uh, no, 42. This is wrong. What did I tell you it was really? Oh, seven. 42. Seven. Okay, here it is. Um, they're going to... Um, there's going to be these two trees in the garden. And when they eat of the fruit of the first tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, what happens is they were cut off both temporally and spiritually from the presence of the Lord. And they became subjects to follow after their own will. Okay, that's what happens at this tree. So we get just right um, cut off from God. Um, the problem is now how... How are they going to get back to God? And you love when you read in 42.23. I'm almost going to talk about that. Um, he's going to talk about at the very end of that verse, they're going to be restored into his presence. And then they're going to be judged according to their works. And so this tree um, has the capability of restoring them back to God. Um, meantime... They come to this probationary state, it tells us. Yeah, and I think it was interesting, like now I'm kind of seeing in, in connection with his initial question, where he's like, I don't think it's fair for a sinner to be punished or be consigned to a state of misery forever. I think it's neat that Alma's like not ignoring that and mm -hmm. saying like, no, it's important for you to understand like what you needed to be rescued from. Yes. You will never understand the love of God unless you know what things would have been had he never sent his son. Mm -hmm. Like you've got, like so we want to get rid of the doctrine of hell because we say it makes God mean, but the doctrine of hell actually shows us what we were rescued from, yes. what he experienced to pull us from it. And it actually shows a more loving God. So he's like, no, yeah. let me show yeah. you. Yeah, And I love that. It's going to be so basic. He's like, here's what happened. We, we were cut off. And um, so then there's no way to be restored back. And he, and he lays out the problem for him in verse 12. He says, and now there was no means to reclaim men from this fallen state, which man had brought upon himself because of his own disobedience. There was no means. Who's going to become the means? That's what we have to figure out or what's going to become the means. But we like thinking about who is going to become the means and um, what it's going to require is a plan, um, the plan right here. And we love that in here, he calls the plan 100 different yeah. things, <laughs> which you love because every name of the plan is so interesting. So we wrote down for you, if you just want to write down what every name that he calls it, um, the plan of happiness, the plan of redemption, um, the plan of restoration, the plan of mercy, and the plan of salvation. All of those are the same thing. It's the Father's plan. Um, I love this for, it's the reclaiming. That's what it is. Right. And, and he had to look at the whole thing and say, when this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, how do I reclaim what is my own? How do I get it back to me. And um, the answer to that is going to be um, repentance and a place for repentance. But we love what Alma's going to teach about 
what repentance is. Do you remember when we talked about yeah, this last week? Because this will point us to what the plan actually is. So it isn't actually repentance that is going to claim anybody. But if you go back to 37, yes, was it chapter 37, 37, 9. And we just love when he tells you, because sometimes we get caught up on that. We're like, okay, so we came to mortality. The most important thing in mortality is we have to repent, which is a, such an important part of mortality. But what is repentance exactly? And, and why would that be so crucial? And we love what Alma teaches there in 37, 9. Do you remember when he says, um, he says, this is going to bring them unto repentance. And that is, repentance is, it brings them to the knowledge of the Lord their God and to rejoice in Jesus Christ, their Redeemer. That's repentance. So you're going to have this probationary place, this probationary state that will bring you to the knowledge of the Lord and allow you to rejoice in him as the Redeemer. That's repentance. Think about what that means when you think about it in Alma's definition. I just love the thought that, is that how I'm using mortality as a place to come to know the Lord? Do I do that every day? And am I finding reason to rejoice in the fact that he has redeemed me? I love that that name Redeemer actually means by any means. Because remember in verse 12, yeah. it tells us um, there was no means unless a redeemer came who was willing to save us by any means to bring us back. And it's neat that each of those titles of the plan of whatever you want to call it <laughs> are all talking about what he does, right? They all are describing for those of you who need happiness, he will bring it. For those who need redemption, he can redeem. For those who need to be restored, he is a restorer. For those who need mercy, he's mercy himself. For those who need salvation, he he has come to save. He's the Savior. That these are the names of all of them, but really the plan is Jesus. Oh, we love that so much. Just that reminder. It's that simple. The Father's plan for us was Jesus and what Jesus would do intimately and personally for every single one of us, that he would enter into our stories and, and he would say, let me restore this part. Let me bring happiness here. Let me give you mercy. You remember the definition for mercy is especially active compassion. Let me bring especially active compassion into your story. Um, let me bring healing. Let me rescue. Let me deliver. You just love that. He's like, what part of the story are you in? Okay, let me come into that part and bring um, this to you. And we love that part of it. Um, I know it's sad that Corianton's like started off by thinking like, I see God as this punishing God. Why is he punishing people for their sins? And it's just neat that Alma's like, no, we bring it upon ourselves. We walk into it on our own accord. Like we're, we're you know, who God is, is someone who had a plan to fix that right? To rescue, to reclaim mm -hmm. all of us. And I love just thinking about, you know, if, if we're all there in the presence of God, the father and the mother in the pre-mortal world. And it's like, someone asked him, what's your plan for salvation? Yeah. How are we, how are what's, we getting yeah, back? What's your plan for happiness? What's your plan for restoring what we're going to mess up? What's your plan for redeeming? And he didn't, pull out a chalkboard 
and draw a bunch of circles and columns, he introduced us to his son. He's like, he is my plan. This is the plan of salvation and redemption and mercy. It's it's him. Yeah, it's so good. And Alma's going to explain that in verse 15 because he's going to say this. He's going to say, Coriantin, the plan of mercy could not be brought about except an atonement should be made. Therefore, God himself atoned for the sins of the world. Jesus came and died for us for two reasons. One, to bring about the plan of mercy. And second, to appease the demands of justice. Then God could be a perfect, just God and a merciful God also. And we love the thought about that, that Jesus came and he came to bring about the plan of mercy. But he also came to appease justice. He becomes the balancer in the equation. He, he becomes the answer in the equation. And I think Alma is saying to his son, listen, th- this is easier than you think it is. We just got to turn your heart to Jesus. If we can do that, everything else is going to fall into place. Yeah. He says... Um... One of our favorite verses about mercy that is in here is uh, verse 24, where he says, Behold, justice exerciseth all his demands, and also mercy claimeth all which are her own. And um, that is such a powerful verse, especially when, where is that verse where he says what um, what that actually is, where it's like those who call out, right, for mercy are those who are going to be are those who are going to be claimed. Yes. Um, this morning, I was just studying this morning, early in the morning, and I kept hearing the neighbor's kid crying next door. And I was like, man. And then the crying kept getting louder and louder. you know. And I was like, someone should like help that kid. Like, why are they crying so loud? Um, our sister-in-law is staying with us. And then I realized like, huh, that actually might be <laughs> one of her kids. And I just didn't recognize the, <laughs> the cry. <laughs> So I ran downstairs, and sure enough, my nephew was on our back porch, like banging oh, on no. on the door, you know, for me to let him in. And what had happened is he'd gone out the front door, and it automatically locks. And then he went through the gate that locks, like, behind him and stuff like that. And I just had been thinking about today as we were having this conversation earlier that um, here he was. He got himself into this mess all of his own accord. Mm-hmm. And all he needed to do was was to cry out. And of course, I was going to open that door and bring him in. If he had a desire to be rescued, a desire for mercy, of course, I was going to open that door and and let him in. And I, I just think that's so yeah, neat for so him to good. reframe in Corianton's mind the what God is God. actually like. And he really does it so well in verse 27 because it's so interesting because what he ends with, there are two points he ends with that are so good. Um, one of them is, he says this, let me let me tell you about God, what kind of God he is, because he's not going to force anyone back into his presence. He's going to let you choose what you want. Um, he, he says this, whosoever will come may come and partake of the waters of life freely. Anybody who wants to, he's going to say, come and, and experience this living water. But whosoever will not come, the same is not compelled to come. He's not going to make anybody come. But in the last day, it will be restored unto him according to his deeds, according to what it looked like he wanted most um, from this life. God, God's going to give you what you want 
out of this life. And I love the thought of that. Whoever wants to come, come. And if you don't want to come, I won't compel you to come. We each get to choose, which had to be interesting to Corianton to think to himself, okay, well, what's my choice then? What do I want out of this? And you love that we're going to see at the very end, and this is my... Um, my one of my favorite parts because I love that Alma looks at him and he doesn't see the mistake um, he, he he moves past to the potential instead of the mistake and remember how he started if you just attended to the ministry you would have been fine and instead of seeing that mistake Alma's going to go back to the ministry because in verse 31 at the end of their whole conversation one conversation one conversation it starts off and you think oh dear this is (laughs) going to be disastrous but it's so awesome what his intention was all along he says to him and now oh my son you are called of god to preach the word unto this people and now my son go your way and declare the word with truth and soberness that you may bring souls under repentance that the great plan of mercy may have claim upon them. And we just love this. He gets the same um, call that Shiblon does at the end, right? You you are called to teach. You are called into the ministry. You are um, called to do this work. But how great will be his work? Because now that he understands the great plan of mercy, he can teach that from experience to other people so they will also understand that great plan of mercy. Yeah, and you said something earlier before we started filming, and I thought it was so awesome. And now connected with that, I'm like, oh, that if you go back to that 23, where we talk about um, that mercy claimeth the penitent and appeases justice, um, that if you switch those words out to say, um, Jesus claims her own, I mean, the penitent, and Jesus appeases mercy. Jesus, I was saying, it's so interesting because really when you come out of 15 and it talks about, yeah, yeah. that God atoned for the sins of the world, you you could say Jesus brought about the plan of mercy and Jesus appeased the demands of justice. That is true. It would be just as true as what is written there. And probably better than saying like the atonement because Because that's like a thing. It it wasn't a... Power, it's a person yeah. who did it. Jesus um, is what brought about the plan of mercy. And Jesus appeased the demands of justice, which means you can go to 24 and say, and Jesus claimeth all which is his own. And oh, we just love the thought of that. And he's going to start with Corianton. And then he's going to move to the next and the next and the next until he's just like, let me just get everyone, as many as I can. Yeah. Then it made me think that verse 30 where he says in the middle of it, um, let the justice of God and his mercy and his long suffering suffering have full sway in your heart to just move that, switch that out and say, let Jesus have full sway Mm -hmm. in your heart. That's so good. And that's the word he's going to preach in 31. Go preach Jesus. So our hero of the week actually is Corey Anton. Which is so fun because (laughs) we love that we get to pick someone who the story starts out a little bit rough like Ziaz Ram, um, but that he's going to come around. Those are some of the greatest heroes. Right. And his verse is 31. The verse that um, Emily just read about, okay, you're still called. So go preach the word. Which word? Um, that word of mercy and redemption, the word of Jesus. And so our battle-ready phrase is, preach Jesus. 
to find some way this week to spread that good news about him, particularly those people who might be just caught up in like, why does God seem so like this or so mm-hmm. like this? It's like, oh, let's reframe your your perception of his character in Jesus to who he really is. Yeah. So good. Okay, y'all. Have a good week. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.